Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the ever-changing world of technology? Tech It Out can help make some sense of it all. Breaking down geek speak into street speak, technology columnist, author, and TV personality Mark Saltzman covers consumer technology each week for every listener. Mark tackles the latest news, reviews, and how-tos to help you understand what's hot, what's not, and why. Hey everyone, welcome to Tech It Out. This is episode number eight. Hope you're enjoying this new weekly radio show and podcast about the latest in tech trends. And it's okay if you're more tech shy than tech savvy, as my goal is to break down geek speak into street speak. Tech It Out is brought to you by ASUS, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. ASUS, for those in search of incredible. Visit ASUS.com for more info. That's ASUS.com. We have a great show planned for you this hour. Speaking of ASUS, we'll hear from them in a moment about their new smartphone that they've got on the market called the Zenfone AR and what makes it unique. Plus, we'll catch up with Disney about their new Pandora World of Avatar area at Disney World. And we'll chat with YouTube celebrity iJustine. But first, one of my favorite tech companies, ASUS, doesn't just make laptops, tablets, computer monitors video cards and routers, but they also make smartphones. And the other week, the company announced the availability of the Zenfone AR, a next-generation smartphone that represents a significant advancement in mobile, virtual, and augmented reality technologies. Joining us on the line to explain what that means, some applications for VR and AR that go beyond gaming, and to share some other neat features of this phone, including its cameras, we're joined on the line by Randall Grilly. He's the Director of Media Relations at ASUS North America. Welcome to the show, Randall. All right, Mark. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So tell us about this new phone, the Zenfone AR. Sure, yeah. The Zenfone AR uh, was purpose-built to be the newest and top-of-the-line models in uh, augmented reality technology. Um, Also a very decent uh, phone overall. It's the world's first Tango-enabled and Dame Dream-ready phone. Um, both we worked very closely with Google on both of those. Tango is uh, Google's augmented reality technology, and Daydream is their virtual reality technology. So let's explain the difference between the two, in case you know our listeners they they know the phrases, they know the terms, but they're not exactly sure on the differences. AR or augmented reality is when you can still see the world around you, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, what Tango or AR does is it, it essentially lets you see, well, lets the technology rather, understand space and motion just like a human would. So uh, what it does is it basically takes motion tracking, depth perception, and area learning and can calculate those and give feedback to the phone so you can do a variety of things that we can talk about with some of the applications that we'll, we have already available on the phone. Okay, so you hold the phone up, kind of like that Pokemon Go phenomenon from last summer, where it would look like sure. it would look like the little Pikachu and other characters are are with you, let's say on a park bench, because they're superimposed onto the real world, as seen through the lens of the smartphone's camera. That's AR or augmented reality when the real world is augmented with digital information, and Google's. Tango AR is a platform that lets uh, folks create really cool content for those phones that support it, including the Zenfone AR, as the name suggests. Now, VR, on the other hand, or virtual reality, that's when you're fully immersed in a digital world, correct? Like you don't see the world around you. You put on a headset in this case. 
Correct. Yeah. Uh, all, all the current VR experiences, you do have to have some sort of, uh, of, of headset, like a daydream is, is, is the uh, platform by Google. Right. So Daydream is a, a relatively inexpensive virtual reality headset. And then you snap in a compatible phone into the visor of that head mounted display or headset. Correct. Correct. All right. So to clarify, the Zenfone AR, a new smartphone powered by Asus, supports both AR and VR. Tango AR from Google, as well as Google's Daydream virtual reality or VR technologies. Exactly. Okay. We're chatting with Randall Grilly. He's the director of media relations at Asus. That's A-S-U-S, Asus in North America. Now, let's talk about some of the applications. I, I know that gaming comes to mind. First, for many of our listeners, they know that gamers, I mentioned Pokemon Go earlier, or a more a, a deeper game, let's say, like an adventure, fantasy, role-playing kind of game. But surely there are other applications for both AR and VR that this new phone is able to support. So let's cover AR. What are some of the neat or maybe lesser-known applications for augmented reality? Uh, I mean, most generally, you're going to see a lot um, with spatial awareness. So measurement is really big on that. Um, and the, uh, one of the most practical, I guess, or fun and practical, rather, applications for it are from uh, Lowe's and Wayfair. Lowe's, the hardware outlet, and then Wayfair, the furniture store. Um, both are going to show you capabilities of things that you can do around your home. Um, Lowe's has a variety of applications for things you'd expect, home improvement. Um, and Wayfair really focuses on, um, obviously, their furniture line and showing you how it will appear in your, very, in your home. So you hold up this new phone in a, let's say, a, a fairly empty home office that you want to populate. And then you can virtually superimpose furniture so that when you hold up the phone and you look at your home office through your phone's camera, so you're looking at the screen, you can make, you could see what color desk would best fit in there or the shape of the desk and even move it around with your fingertips. So it looks like it's really there in that room with you. Exactly. The other thing that you can do with it, uh, with the phone, is you can actually walk up to it. You're using the phone as your, as your viewer almost. And uh, holding up the phone, you can walk up to it as if you were walking up to the desk itself and really take a good look at uh, how it would look in the space, but also the texture, the detailing, um, almost as if it was actually there in your home. Wow, super cool. Uh, all right, now let's shift gears and talk about virtual reality. Again, gaming seems to be the most popular application, but there are other other apps uh, for VR that the Zenfone AR could support. So what are some of the other non-gaming virtual reality applications of this phone? Personally, and, and also some of the most top rated that we've seen are really going to be kind of exploratory or discovery apps. So uh, just imagine, you know, taking you places that you would not be able to go, Right. Um, National Geographic uh, is, is one of the ones I think most listeners can connect to readily. Um, you know, exploring, you know, the seventh wonders of the world or going on a safari. So it's as if you've been transported to Africa. Meanwhile, you just may be relaxing in your home in Seattle or in Toronto, Canada or what have you. So that's pretty cool. So you put on the headset and it's, it's as if you're transported uh, in space and also in time. You can also go back and see, you know, dinosaurs and things like that, that, you know, content that's been created for these headsets. And I do want to remind our listeners, Randall, that if they haven't put on a, v a VR headset yet, it's also tied to your head tracking. So not only is this a, a 360 
degree video or it could yep. be a, a graphic like rendered graphics not video but made inside of a computer but it's tied to your head so in real life if you look behind you in this world that you're looking at this 360 degree world you're turning around in the world as well so it really does trick the brain into believing that what you see is really there including audio spatialization so you can even Correct. detect the yeah the area of where the sound is coming from sticking with that exact example from earlier if you could hear a t-rex growl to the you know front sort of left of you or the rear right of you uh which makes it even more immersive now let's talk about some of the other features of the zenphone ar i teased earlier randall that the cameras were pretty spectacular tell us about them yeah, uh, it's 23 megapixel camera, uh, one of the highest on the market. It also has the, our TriCam system, which includes a uh, fast aperture lens, a light and fast uh, TriTech autofocus with subject tracking, and then our super resolution technology to help really deliver a, a very crisp, clear, high, re- high resolution image in any lighting condition. And that TriTech system, just to clarify for our listeners, this is really fast autofocus. So if a subject is moving quickly, as kids often do, they don't want to sit for the photo. The camera will track them and focus that subject as they move about the environment. They don't have to sit still in order for you to get a clear shot. So it's a kind of image stabilization and autofocus. It's this, these cameras work well in low-light environments. It's a high-end Sony sensor. Uh, so there's some heritage there uh, behind the lens. And, and a fast processor to render these uh, images quickly, whether it's photos or videos. And if you run out of room on the Zenfone AR, Randall, unlike iPhone, that doesn't let you expand the memory. Can you put in a micro SD card on this phone? Uh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, it's one of the best features, I think, on um, a lot of our phones, actually, is that expandable memory. Uh, you know, you're, you're free to go almost as high as you choose with this regard and not limited by the hardware itself. Right. All right. The magic question, how much does the Zenfone AR cost? I think there's two different models uh, available. Maybe you can give us an idea of, because uh, I think this is actually one of the really neat things about this phone is that it's a fraction of the price of some of these other devices out there. Yet, when, it, when you match it feature for feature, it really holds its own. Correct. Yeah. In the United States, we have uh, three different options. So you can purchase it uh, through Verizon for 648 uh, if you don't want to be tied down to a, carry, a carrier, you can also purchase it unlocked. We have two different models available. There's a 6 gig RAM uh, option with the 64 gigabytes of storage for 599 and an 8 gig RAM version with 128 gigabytes of storage for 699 Okay, so for an extra $100, you're getting more system memory, a little bit more speed and, and the ability to open up apps quickly and multitask. And then you're getting twice the amount of storage or capacity to hold all those files or your music or what have you. Well, Randall, thank you so much for your time. Randall Grilly, Director of Media Relations at Asus North America. Once again, the company is Asus, A-S-U-S. The name of the phone is the Zenfone AR, and it's spelled, by the way, Z-E-N. F-O-N-E. Thank you very much, Randall. Great, thank you. We'll be right back with more Tech It Out in a moment when we chat with Disney about their new avatar area at Disney World. World of Pandora, amazing stuff. We'll be right back. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. Tech It Out, hosted by Mark Saltzman. I have 
to tell you, I was recently at Disney World and had a chance to visit Animal Kingdom and the brand new Pandora, the World of Avatar area. And it's completely mind-blowing. Even if you're not a fan of James Cameron's cinematic masterpiece, and I don't know how you couldn't be, but that's okay. But even if you never saw the film, the Avatar-themed world, the attractions, the rides, the scenery is beyond spectacular and a must-see if you're heading to the happiest place on Earth anytime soon. But I didn't want to just share my experiences about Pandora. Instead, we're privileged to have on the line Matt Beeler, show producer at Walt Disney Imagineering. Welcome to the show, Matt. It's great to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Now, before we talk about Pandora, the world of Avatar, tell us about your work with Disney. What is Disney Imagineering exactly? Well, we're, we're a group that, that designs and, and creates the parks. The experiences that our, that our guests come to our parks, we're the ones that concept it, bring it to life, build it, and, uh, and, and we're a team of a, a number of different roles and, and responsibilities. Let's talk about Pandora, the world of Avatar. It's at Disney's Animal Kingdom. How do you begin to describe this area? Please enlighten our listeners on what this new part of Animal Kingdom is all about. Sure. Well, Pandora, the world of Avatar, is is essentially a, a place where you as a guest can step into uh, a place that you've only up until now seen on on the big screen. It, it's a it's a land that's 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 been created based on the work that Jim Cameron did in in the movie Avatar. Um, but it but it's a, a little bit different in the sense that that we we take a a, a a different bit of a storyline uh, to it because of where it sits in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, if you've not been to Animal Kingdom before, it's a park that's that's based around animals. It's based around realism. It's based on it's based on real stories that you as a as a guest come to experience. Um, and 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 because of that, it, it guided our design uh, when looking to put Avatar into Animal Kingdom. We we base all of our experiences in Animal Kingdom on three main pillars. Uh, those pillars are the intrinsic value of nature, meaning that, that everything that you experience in the park will be about nature, will be about a real story in nature. Um, so, for example, when you travel to Africa and, and you go on a safari, you feel as though that you have been transported to Africa. You can literally take a picture of yourself in, in the, the village called Harambe and, 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 and post it on Instagram, and your friends would believe that you are in Africa. <laughs> yeah. um, so the second pillar that we design our, our experiences around is that you are going to be transformed through the adventures that you have. And it's important that we, we say that you are, you are you in this story. You're not taking on a persona. You're not taking on a role uh, beyond being you. And you are, you are going on these adventures in this real space. And through that, you will be uh, transported and transformed. Then the third pillar being that every experience that we have uh, you have a personal call to action. So whether you're going on a safari and you're learning about the animals that are in that safari and, and how we can protect them, or you're, you're meeting with people that are from, from the countries that, that you are visiting, um, you know, whether it be Africa or, or India or, or all around Asia, you're meeting these real people that are from those countries and, and you could have a call to have a, a you know, call to preservation of culture or to more to learn about those cultures. Mm -hmm. um, we hope that you then have that, that take home message. So when looking then at, at, at those pillars of what guides our stories, we then fit 
Avatar into that. And it, and it works really seamlessly. Avatar fits really well into those three pillars. It's a, it's a story about a real place. It's a story about a place that has its own ecology, its own animals, and its own, its own, its own people. Um, it, it's a place where, you know, when, when the main characters were there, um, they, they were invested in that. They had a personal call to action after the, you know, at the end of that movie. Jake wants to protect this world that he's now come to love. So because all of those pillars exist inside the story of Avatar, it really makes a, a perfectly seamless transition of being you know, in this park. Um, so, so that's really what, what drives our stories in, in, in Animal Kingdom. And, and because we at Imagineering are, are all storytellers, that's where we start. We're chatting with Matt Beeler. He's the show producer at Walt Disney's Imagineering division. I had just uh, returned from Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and was really blown away by the new Pandora, the World of Avatar area within Animal Kingdom, as we've been talking about. So let's now, Matt, break down the two biggest attractions uh, in this world. My favorite is the motion ride called Avatar Flight of Passage. Exactly. That, that's actually also my favorite. I mean, to to what the guest is doing in that experience is that they are they are being matched to an to a, a an avatar. Which is, if you've not seen the movie Avatar, um, it, avatars are are a blue humanoid species that that basically look just like the Navi, and they are then able to fly on the banshees. Those are the large flying creatures that that fly all around Pandora. Mm-hmm. So you are connected to an avatar. Um, you are linked to that avatar, and then you are now able to fly on a banshee. So, you know, we we take you through that that whole experience of 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 that you know seeing an avatar floating in a tank. So you understand what an avatar is. You you walk through a, a scientific lab where they're studying all of the, uh, the 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 fauna and the flora of Pandora, and then then you're actually linked to that avatar. And and I'm telling you, the moment that you uh, that that you are linked to an avatar and flying on a banshee, it, it takes your breath away. It's it's you are truly flying over this this grandeur of pandora from a bird's eye perspective and you're 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 hearing the sounds of pandora you're seeing this wide vast landscape flying on the back of a banshee with wind in your face and you're smelling pandora um you know this this thrilling thrilling flight throughout um this beautiful world we'll be right back with disney in a moment you're listening to tech it out breaking down geek speak into street speak check it out hosted by mark saltzman Breaking down geek speak into street speak. This is Tech It Out. Tech It Out with technology columnist, author, and TV personality, Mark Saltzman. Welcome back to Tech It Out. We're chatting with Matt Beeler, show producer at Walt Disney Imagineering, about the new Pandora, the world of Avatar area at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And we're chatting about the motion ride called Avatar Flight of Passage. It's not just a motion ride where you're moving a little bit side to side and you're seeing and hearing uh, content. But as you said, Matt, you actually can smell the planet at various parts throughout this adventure. You can even feel uh, mist or water, uh, you know, um, in parts of it. I don't want to give away too much, and I'm really not because I can talk about it all day, but until you experience it, it's going to be just as amazing. Like, so don't worry about that. Uh, So it really does make you feel like you're riding on the back of this banshee, which is kind of like a dragon, like like a winged uh, dragon creature. Uh, And you are on this thrill ride for a couple of minutes, and it's all tied to a story 
Now, and I, I understand um, Peter Jackson's Weta studio in New Zealand was responsible for the visuals. Uh, is it CG? Is it computer graphics or a mix of real live video with uh, animation or what have you? Uh, you're, you're, you're right in that it, we did partner with Weta Animation as well as we partnered with, with Lightstorm Entertainment. That's, that's Jim Cameron's production company oh, okay, to cool. develop the, the, the imagery that you see um, on, that, on that attraction. Um, and, and yes, it's, it's, you know, it, it is completely CG, but it's, com- but it's completely real. You know, remember back to those, those three original uh, you know, design pillars that, that this experience needs to feel completely real. We, we, we are not trying to make you feel as though that it's inspired by or, or that it's, that it's, it, you wanna, we want guests to feel like they're actually flying on a banshee over Pandora. And so, the, I mean, the imagery looks, I mean, remarkably real. Oh, indeed. Not to mention the other senses that complement it, as I mentioned. It's really, truly magnificent. The be- one of the best things I've ever experienced at any Disney park in my 40-something <clears throat> years of going to Disney. Uh, so this is called the Avatar Flight of Passage. It's a, uh, I'll call it a 4D motion ride because it's not just about visuals and sound, but you feel it, you smell it. Uh, you even feel um, water and mist on your on your skin at certain points of the ride. And I know Disney, Matt, doesn't like to pull the curtain back on its rides, and I get that. It it, it can ruin some of the magic that Disney is known for. Um, but because this is a tech show, can you tell us a little bit about how it works? I did take my glasses off to look around me, and I saw the other people in their pods riding their their um, um, banshees. So can you tell us a bit about the room actually moves? Correct. Uh, exactly. You're, you're essentially on a on a, a long platform of of a number of different almost bicycle like seats. Um, so the, about a row of of eight seats are along with you on in that row and and connected to a tower that is that is about three rows high. Um, and you're you're in a theater uh, that is I mean like an IMAX theater. Right. It wraps sense. around like a, a little like bit. A, like a Thorin's theater, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it wraps around you. It's com- you're completely enveloped within that screen. Um, and and so because of the way that this that this this ride vehicle moves, um, and and everyone is moving all at once. Everyone everyone you know uh, sort of moves. Uh, everyone has the same uh, experience from a perspective of how how they're moving. Um, it really it really feels as though you're flying. I mean, it, it truly captures the essence of flying from, uh, from, from the, you know, the ups and the downs to the, to the sort of the calmer moments where you're, um, you're taking, you know, you're sort of taking a, a little rest in a, in a beautiful bioluminescent cave. It's, it, it truly captures this, this feeling of, of flight. And that was, that was the original goal was to be, um, to give you the feeling that you're, actually flying on a banshee now let's talk about the navi river journey this is a a slower paced ride through an indoor attraction pretty amazing stuff can you tell us a bit about it sure so one of the main things that guests take you know that that guests take away from 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 you know watching the the film avatar and one of the things that the story points that we wanted to 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 have our guests experience was that feeling of being in a bioluminescent forest. It's, it's, there's very few places in the world that you can actually experience a bioluminescent forest. And so in, in order to do that, um, we take you on a, on a, a reed boat on a river floating down this, this peaceful river deep into the forest um, where, where sunlight can't, can't get to. It's so, the jungle is so thick around you that the bioluminescence is able to reveal itself to you. And so as you go along this, this river in this boat, um, the, the 
bioluminescent activity increases the the number of animals that you see start you know increases you see various animals from from around that that area you know within the within the avatar story and you know each each scene as you go further and further into this story you see the the forest comes alive to you more of the bioluminescence is revealed and more of the animals you see navi on your on your journey and then it eventually culminates in seeing the the navi shaman of songs and she is a audio animatronic figure the the most advanced audio animatronic figure that we've ever created oh, without question um, amazing she animatronics is yeah extremely lifelike um every every motion she makes every every emotion she invokes is completely real i mean it, it is it is hard to believe that that is a that it that it is an animatronic figure Amazing stuff. Okay, so that's called the Navi River Journey. My wife enjoyed that more than the motion ride, more than Avatar Flight of Passage. But my son and I, we enjoyed the thrills of Flight of Passage, but both were spectacular. And then just to wrap up, Matt, let's talk a bit about the scenery around this part of Animal Kingdom. So this is radio, obviously. So please paint us a picture of what you can see at Pandora, the world of Avatar, including the trees outside. That to me is the the area development is what we what we call the land itself is is truly unique in in that it's this is the first time in in any of our parks at Walt Disney World that we've been able to tell a story that is is a a single around a single single story a single IP single intellectual property so because this is a land that is one you know about Avatar uh, about Pandora we're able to tell stories throughout all of uh, this, you know, similar stories throughout all of the experiences within this land, um, and and because of that, the the land itself is like walking into Pandora, and you're walking into a singular place on Pandora. And as you walk through this land, there's there's no question that the, the most amazing piece of it is the floating mountains. So towering above our heads um, into the air, you see the floating mountains that are that are from that you would recognize from the from the films. Um, these are truly a, a not only a work of art, but a work of, of amazing structural engineering. I mean, it's truly one of the only, you know, the only place we could do this is at Disney. Matt Beeler, show producer at Walt Disney Imagineering. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope our listeners check out Pandora, the world of Avatar at Disney's Animal Kingdom in Florida. It's spectacular to say the least. Thank you again, Matt, and keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Great talking to you. More Tech It Out coming up. Stick with us. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. Check it out. Hosted by Mark Saltzman. Welcome back to Tech It Out, everyone. This show is brought to you by ASUS, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. ASUS, for those in search of incredible. Visit ASUS.com for more info. That's ASUS.com. Do you have a tween or a teen in your home? Well, chances are they follow a handful of YouTube stars, and a good number of them would love to be one as well. Don't be surprised that this is a thing in today's day and age. Popular YouTube personalities can enjoy considerable fame and fortune. Just ask Justine Ezeric, an LA-based one-woman phenom with almost 4 million YouTube subscribers on her channel. I profiled iJustine in a recent USA Today article, and I'm thrilled to have her on the phone now for radio this time. We're going to chat about how to better your chances of becoming a YouTube star by building an audience and how YouTubers can make money as well. Welcome to the show, Justine. 
Thanks for having me. It's great to chat with you. Thanks for your time. Tell us a bit about yourself and the kind of videos you create for YouTube. The videos that I create are mostly like tech, travel, and sort of entertainment based. And, you know, when I started making YouTube videos, no one else was doing this. So it really was just something that was fun. And then with that fun, years down the road, it actually became somewhat profitable. And now it's my full time job, which is kind of crazy to think that something that I was just passionate about doing for fun is now my career and a lot of other people's careers. You have been doing this for a long time because I met you in LA. You must have been a teenager because this was well over a decade ago and I think you're only in your early 30s and you were doing videos already back then I don't know if it was for YouTube but I know that when I met you I had recognized you from the internet so mm-hmm. you you, ha- you were one of the first one of the pioneers of this very uh, legitimate platform YouTube you've also done some cooking videos as well as long as there's like an entertainment spin to it right you know in doing these awful cooking videos from the beginning <laughs> I, I, just, I didn't know what I was doing I actually now enjoy baking and cooking and making Making awesome. fun things, so it's it's become more fun. So now I mess up a little bit less, but there's still like ninety percent of the time I, I mess up. But with that, it's actually interesting because a lot of the things that I do wrong, I end up being able to do it right the next time because everyone in the comments is like, I can't believe you used four sticks of butter. I'm like, oops, sorry. (laughs) Well, I know you're certainly uh, well-respected in the tech space and in travel, so maybe cooking will come shortly thereafter. I know you're... We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what do you think it is about... Okay, so you've been doing it longer than most others, but there's obviously uh, other reasons why you've amassed this huge following. I mean, again, almost 4 million YouTube subscribers. So what do you think it is? Is it just that... you? You are more engaging you or you talk to more people who write in or what is it about your your channel do you think that makes you more successful than others well I mean of course I have been doing it for a long time and you know not to discredit anybody else's success but you know I think what's great about YouTube is there's so many people that are doing different things and you know the tech community is it's still a small community but it's still big enough that you know doing it is is so much fun because everyone kind of has their own spin to what they're doing and you know it's great to see how many people are doing it because it really is a community and we all kind of feed off of each other and we see each other at events um but you know with my channel it's just been something that i've not quit doing it so a lot of times you'll be like well, what happened to that one youtuber and they just they quit because sometimes you know it does get difficult it gets hard with traveling and scheduling and editing and i just never stopped And I don't plan on stopping unless I'm I'm not enjoying it anymore. And you started being an editor, right? You weren't initially going to be on camera. My background is graphic design and video production. So I was, you know, doing this kind of stuff for other clients. And then, uh, you know, I was at this job that just was not the best a work environment and but there I learned to you know edit Avid and then I, I taught myself Final Cut so I learned a lot from that job and from that I took it and I started doing freelance editing and then to teach myself to use Final Cut I put myself in the videos and started posting them and people were like this is funny when are you posting another one I'm like who are you stranger <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> but awesome. of course I posted more <laughs> now look you're in LA so why didn't you go down the traditional TV route instead of YouTube that's a really good question because it wasn't really something that I was ever setting out to do I mean for me I just was trying to be entertaining and, and have fun and I love to edit I still edit almost all of my videos now which is crazy or I was like why don't you get an editor I'm like, but I really, I do love it. It's just the hard part is trying to find time. So I think, you know, moving forward, it's it's what videos can I sort of let go of, but yet the vlogs, I can still sort of have control of that. But, you know, living in LA now, 
everyone's trying to do what we're doing. So it's kind of an interesting kind of backwards thing. But you are doing some TV gigs. I know that you were, what was it, Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood? You were doing a guest spot or something, correct? Yeah, and it's, it's fun doing those sort of traditional things because you see how massive the scale is and how many people are there that work on these things. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of an introvert. So for me, sitting at home with my camera and editing and creating is, is so much more fun for me. And, you know, that's how I, I am creative. I have trouble believing you're an introvert, but anyhow, <laughs> <It's true. laughs> you, you do live events too, right? I've seen you. I know, at, yeah. which is crazy, but I feel like you can kind of turn it on and then you, you know, I think people kind of channel their energy different. I'm like, great, I can do this and then I can go home and just recharge. I, I gotcha. We're chatting with Justine Izeric, aka iJustine, a YouTube phenomenon with many millions of followers and subscribers. Uh, maybe you can enlighten our audience what a typical day is like for you. It's very different. It could be traveling around the world or it could be sitting at home coming up with video ideas then shooting those videos and then editing them or traveling and editing and shooting at the same time so it's it's very different and you know sometimes you'll be on set and those days can be very long so it's it is not a typical day but it never stops so you really don't have a weekend every day is just a day that's important, I think, for kids maybe listening to this or the, or the parents who want to talk to their kids about becoming a YouTuber is that it's not all the glamour that you see or you think uh, when you watch these videos with uh, folks like yourself or PewDiePie or what have you. There's a lot of work that goes into that with some very long days. Okay, we'll continue our chat with YouTube celebrity I Justine when we return. We'll be right back. Breaking down geek speak into street speak. Check it out. Hosted by Mark Saltzman. Welcome back to Tech It Out. We're chatting with iJustine, the YouTube sensation with nearly 4 million followers. There are millions of kids out there who want to be famous on YouTube like you are, Justine. Before we talk about how they can monetize their fame, can you give some advice on how to build an audience on YouTube? That's, gosh, I wish there was, you know, a handbook for it because if there was, everybody would be doing it. And I think that's something that is is kind of it's hard, but yet it's, uh, you know, a gift because you do have to kind of figure it out yourself. There is no rhyme. There's no reason. Everyone thinks they have this recipe for success and there really isn't one. I think something that's important is doing collabs, having people to make videos with. That's also very fun because it does get to be a very lonely sort of career. So having people that understand and you can talk to about like, that's I think very important as you go forward. But I think just being consistent, finding a niche of things that you think that are missing like what is a video that you've wanted to search and you can't find like you could be the answer to that question mm-hmm. and you also said earlier that you've been doing it for a long time and you never gave up so consistency could also help you build an audience and i also read somewhere that the more interactive you can be with people who post comments on your videos the better the odds are going to come back and and that they're going to tell their friends to subscribe for sure. And just being engaging and, you know, make videos that you would want to watch, I think is, is something that's very important and be inclusive and be yourself, I think is most important. And, you know, what is that point where you're like, I'm actually not enjoying this anymore. Either reassess what you're doing, make content that makes you happy or don't keep doing it because if you're not enjoying it, the audience will see it. So if you're just doing this just to do it, then it's, it's not going to work out. 
Okay, so try to find your passion, figure out what it is that excites you enough to create content and share with the world. Number two is to maybe see what's not out there already, probably a little bit difficult to do, or maybe something you can do better than what you see out there. Just to try to carve a niche for yourself um, because you have some pretty broad specialties like we talked uh, earlier about, Justine. You've got technology, you've got travel, some cooking and entertainment. So you do cover the gamut, but obviously there's something about your personality or about your delivery on camera that keeps people coming back, which is great. So that's about how to amass an audience and keep them. Now let's pivot and talk about how to make money well on YouTube. Maybe you can walk our listeners through how you make money. How do you monetize your success? Yeah, so there's a you know there are so many different ways, and I think everybody has sort of different things that they do. Um, you know, but the the number one way and that most people monetize is through YouTube. They have an advertising program, so you get a percentage of the ads that run over your videos. So you have to get you know a lot of views to be able to make a living, but you know eventually you can get there if you keep working at it. There's also brand projects. So sometimes brands will want to integrate their brand into their video, whether it's a new phone or a new type of cooking gadget. I'm like blanking at things that I've worked with, but you know there's <laughs> crazy because people try to advertise everything. You would be so just shocked at the emails that I get of, of people thinking that this is going to be a good project most of the time. People have a lot of good ideas, but sometimes you're like, what are you thinking? This is crazy. But there are many different ways. Just to summarize the different ways to make money on YouTube, one is through traffic. So the more people who watch your videos, the more you can monetize it through YouTube themselves or Google, their parent company. The second way is is to promote brands. So if you're comfortable with it, is to align with a, a company who wants you to talk about their product as a brand ambassador or influencer. And then the third way, I guess, I, Justine, is that you're able to monetize your success outside of YouTube. I know you wrote a book. Maybe you can tell us a bit about that. And you've been on TV you do public speaking gigs. So obviously you're able to make money because of your success on YouTube outside of YouTube. Yeah. So the book was really fun because it was sort of being able to tell my story. So, you know, that's obviously a revenue stream. A lot of people have merchandise, whether it's a cookbook or an an actual book. And one of my friends, she just came out with a cooking line, which is so exciting. Uh, Rosanna Pansino, her show is called Nerdy Nummies. So she has an entire line of like cooking products and they're super cute. So like things like that are really, really fun. And it's kind of something that's based around your personality. So people really, really gather that that's like something that they want. My book is called I, Justine. So it's kind of, you know, dropping the I per se and, and kind of telling the behind the scenes of, you know, I, Justine herself, which is me. Do you have an official website or would you like to direct people who are listening to your YouTube channel? Where can we learn more about Justine Ezeric or I, Justine? You know, I'm I Justine pretty much everywhere. So wherever it is that you would like to watch content, you can find me there. All right, Justine, thanks so much for your time and your insight. I enjoyed our chat. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Tech It Out, everyone. This is a brand new show devoted to making some sense of this fast-paced technological world we're living in. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Feel free to let me know. My website is marksaltzman.com. That's Mark with a C. S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N. Tech It Out is brought to you by Asus, creating technology for today and tomorrow's smart life. Asus, for those in search of incredible. Visit asus.com for more info. That's A-S-U-S Thanks again for listening, everyone. We'll catch up with you next weekend on Tech It Out. Ciao for now. Ciao for now.